Welcome to the ASTS podcast featuring Vern Jones and Juan Garza. And now here's the ASTS podcast. Welcome to the ASTS podcast. I'm Juan Garza, Vice President of ASTS. Return to duty procedures. Today's discussion involves the return to duty procedures following a positive test or refusal to test. I am joined again today by Vern Jones, founder and president of ASTS. Vern, is it safe to say that employers' decisions to return an employee to the workplace or to terminate is a difficult decision for most? Absolutely. It's one of the decisions that really takes a lot of time and thought. Um, Most everyone thinks that a positive test is very cut and dried, but we have to keep in mind a, a few different scenarios. One, sometimes a positive drug test simply means that I may have used my wife's prescription or a friend's prescription for Tylenol-3 or some pain reliever. Now, while this happens all over the country, uh, that's a term that we refer to as familial use. There's an easier term for that. It's called illegal drug use. But is that something that you want to terminate an employee for? When we recommend making this decision to the employer, we encourage them to, one, remember the, how difficult it is to recruit and train the investment that we make in, in time and resources and training this individual and making them a productive employee. And then we just say, do we really want to terminate them for that particular offense? So we, we weigh those considerations of time and investment in an employee with the knowledge that a positive drug test is one of the worst things that you'll have on an employee's record. A positive drug test indicates illegal use of drugs, not a suspicion. We have evidence. We have legal evidence of illegal use of drugs. That's pretty bad information to have on someone's file. Obviously, when I know that someone's using illegal drugs, we know that illegal drug users are more likely to have an accident, so therefore the potential for liability for this employer is greatly increased. The question always becomes, you knew Vern was a drug user. What did you do to protect me in the event of an accident occurs in hurting that employee or someone else? So that's a really difficult decision for employers, and that's something that does take, as you suggested, quite a bit of time to make certain that your decision on that particular issue matches your corporate policies. It sounds like the safest thing for an employer to do would be to terminate a first offender. Well, I, it may be the safest. I'm not sure it's always the right decision. I think employers, most of the employers that we work with realize, as we talked earlier, of, of the cost of the development of these employees. And quite honestly, you can re- limit this liability if you have appropriate and safe return-to-duty procedures, much like those established by the Department of Transportation. What would you consider responsible return-to-duty procedures? I think the best model that we have in dealing with a positive drug test is to follow the same procedures that we use with medical injuries. I literally have seen policies where an employer will say, after a positive test, you're off duty for a month. How ridiculous is that? Do you think just because I'm off duty for a month, I'm going to stop using? Is that going to make me change? Typically not. And that would be just like having an employee who injured their knee and the safety director saying to them, okay, Vern, at this point, you're off duty for a month because I'm pretty sure it will be healed by then. That's not what we do. When we follow the medical procedures, what what do we do in an injury? Of course, we send them to an occupational clinic for an evaluation. Typically, that 
examining physician will then recommend appropriate treatment for that individual with the injury. They'll monitor their treatment. When they complete their treatment, they come back for another evaluation, and then that examining physician gives the employer a return-to-duty recommendation, possibly with some limited activity. I think we should do the same thing with drugs of abuse. We have a positive test. Who should do the evaluation? We recommend a substance abuse professional. This is actually a specialty, a certified specialty, that was created by the Department of Transportation. It requires this individual who is trained and certified to do an evaluation of this employee. We recommend that that SAP, the substance abuse professional, not be the one to do the treatment because much like the medical example, we think we should have someone doing an evaluation, face-to-face evaluation, referring them to appropriate treatment. After that treatment, they evaluate their treatment and their process through the substantion And then when they're confident that they're abstaining, then send a written recommendation back to the employer. That way the employer has done exactly what was required or what is most appropriate. And that is to make certain they were evaluated to get a professional's opinion that now Vern is ready to return to work. After having this damaging information on my files, now I have a professional's opinion that Vern's now ready to return to work. At that point then, we do typically do a return-to-duty test. This establishes now that we do have a negative or drug-free specimen, if you would, that would allow me to go back. And then the best procedures are to perform follow-up testing at that point. Typically, the substance abuse professional will recommend how many and how often these follow-up tests should be. Many people refer to those as random tests. There's nothing random about a follow-up test. It should be unannounced. The value of every test is predicated on how much notice someone is given. So we have to make certain that when we request or require this test, that the individual go immediately for the test at that point. But these follow-up tests are like monitoring. I relate it to much like when my children were were growing up and uh, they made some mistakes. They would violate a curfew. And so then I would tell that particular child, okay, listen, you're grounded for a certain amount of time, and now at this point, Now you're ready to go back out uh, and date again. However, you will be home at 11 o'clock. Of course, on those dates, for quite some time, I made sure they were home at 11 o'clock. You'd be up to make sure. That's what we're doing with the drugs. We're saying now, after this violation, we expect you to be drug and alcohol free. So therefore, I'm going to check once in a while. And unannounced, I'm going to say, now I need a specimen from you. And the SAP can help the employer by establishing what would be appropriate, how often we should do these tests. We know that recidivism, or using again, is part of any recovery. And so, therefore, we have to recommend or recognize that the potential is if they start again, it's a risk to that employee and everyone who works around them. So, therefore, we want to monitor them and make sure that they're holding up to their part of the abstention agreement at that point. You mentioned the SAP. Is that the same thing as an EAP? Uh, Absolutely not. An employee assistance program is a tremendously valuable tool for all employers. An employee assistance program has literally very specific and federal laws regarding what can be released to the employer. An employee assistance program is used if I come forward and say I have a problem, and now we send them to the employee assistance program, and they get the treatment they have, that they need. An SAP is different. An SAP is now acting on behalf of the employer. That's a big uh, 
change from an employee assistance program where they're actually acting in the best interest of the employee. A substance abuse professional is providing this buffer that we talked about uh, for the employer. And in those situations, they're allowed and typically required to release a lot more information to the employer. Is Vern abstaining? Is he following his treatment? Those, that type of information. So it's a significantly different model and a different scenario when we have a job jeopardy situation involved. Thanks, Vern. That makes sense. As you said, it's very similar to the situation we have used for years with a workplace injury. Send the employee to a medical center for evaluation, referral to a specialist for treatment, and a written return-to-work recommendation. Thank you for making sense out of this seemingly difficult situation. This concludes our podcast. If you would like further information or assistance in developing a policy specific to your workplace, please contact us at ASTS or at our website at ASTSCorp.com. This has been the ASTS Podcast. For more information, visit our website at ASTSCorp.com.